Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. I'm going to do something that might get me into a little bit of trouble, but there's a point here, I swear. On Facebook, you can check your settings to see what kinds of data are connected to your Facebook account. I did this with KQED's education reporter, Vanessa Rancano. What do you see here? Spotify. Spotify. Tinder. Tinder. Oh, no. (laughs) Ali, I'll explain this to you later. Uh, TripAdvisor (laughs) is another one. SoundCloud. All right, so these kinds of embarrassing moments are just the surface in a whole world of data that Facebook keeps. And it's data that the company Cambridge Analytica used to benefit the Trump campaign. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is testifying before Congress today. He'll be facing questions about how the company protects user data. We are going to be talking about a group of Stanford professors and students who want more thought and discussion about the ethical problems that come with tech. And they're starting a new class at Stanford. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. So I got in touch with a senior at Stanford named Noah Arthurs. Hi, nice to meet you in person. Very nice to meet you. Who had created a group called Ethics, capital CS for computer science. And this is really his thing. I was taking CS classes, and it was not fun because they were so industry-oriented. He's an engineering student um, and also a humanities student. He orchestrates these, like, bi-monthly meetings where students just get together and talk about different topics at the intersection of ethics and and computer science. So... I, he told me where they were going to be. Um, I showed up. Nine or ten kids were sitting around on these green couches. They were under these whiteboards with all these um, intricate equations. So there was kind of two um, ideas that we, we thought that we'd kind of start the conversation on. Uh, the first is... Noah and his friend Sawyer Birnbaum, who helped start this group, uh, kick off the discussion. And they say, we want to talk about the kind of ethics education computer science students should be getting. Probably by far the majority of CS students at Stanford, you know, go through their four years here without like really taking any classes that actually force them to think about ethical questions or engage in that kind of ethical analysis. And you personally think 
you personally think that there should be more, right? I think there, yeah, I think that there's a, a good case for, for having at least some additional requirements. They were yeah. all aware of how crucial this this issue is, right? And that it's not strictly a computer science department issue, that there has to be some fluency between the two worlds if ever policymakers are really going to be able to regulate things, which they all seem to agree was the end goal. Um, and so one thing that that comes up for me is if you compare this to something like medicine or law, where there are like law ethics or like medical ethics, that stuff is all backed by legislation. And so like doctors can be doctors can be sued if they breach doctor patient confidentiality or um, or consent models and stuff like that. So, so, so the students, how, we, how should we characterize it? Like they want it to be not just a class that you take. They want it to be a whole thing world of thought, right? That's what it sounds like? Well, like a a program itself? So Noah, for instance, who's taken computer science courses, complains that to him, the department feels almost like a trade school. The department doesn't behave like an academic discipline in the way students are trained, but also in its connection to Silicon Valley. You're just learning skills. You're just learning like like, this is how you do this, this is how you do that, this is how you do this. And the professors will always tell you, this is the, al- you're learning the algorithm that Facebook uses to, 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 you know, to do facial recognition, or you're learning the algorithm that Google uses to tell you what search results to use. So it's like, there's always this, this looming, you know, industry. And that that feels like the only end goal that there is. And so how many Stanford professors are working on this? Well, there are three professors who are working to create a new course that they want to be truly interdisciplinary. There is Jeremy Weinstein, political science professor. So he's he's bringing the public policy. There's computer science professor Mehran Sahami, who's a very well-known computer science professor. Isn't he famous for bringing Mark Zuckerberg to uh, the campus? Yeah, a few years in a row. I think part of it, too, is just being aware enough of the issues. It's not just let's build it because we can build it, or I'm just an engineer here and that's what I'm tasked to do, but that there's a sense of responsibility that I'm building something that has consequences for the world. There is political science professor Rob Reich, who is sort of the philosopher of the group. It tends to be a conversation in which it's the engineers are really smart. Let's let them work on it and figure it out on our behalf. I'm tired of having engineers figure stuff out on our behalf, and I want there to be a social conversation about this. So Professor Sahami and Professor Reich have been talking about this for some time, uh, but it finally got to the point where they felt like we got to we just got to clear our schedules and make the time to do this now. If not now, when, right? When I think of what the future could possibly look like. I think of things I've seen in movies. I think of stuff like Black Mirror, that TV show on Netflix that kind of takes a peek into what's maybe possible in the future. The student meeting I sat in on, some of those students did talk about watching Black Mirror in class. Really? Yeah. And and having discussions in class based on the content of those Black Mirror episodes. Vanessa, thank you so much. Thank you. Some Black Mirror episodes aren't too far off from reality. One episode called Nosedive is about how when your social ranking falls, it can actually impact your access to opportunity. That's reserved for members of our Prime Flight program. You gotta be a 4.2 or over to qualify. Oh, I'm, I'm a 4.2. <laughs> 
I'm afraid you're actually a 4.183. In China, one of the country's mobile payment systems gives you a score. If you owe debt, your score falls. And it can make it harder to do simple things, like booking a flight. Mark Zuckerberg released the speech he plans to give ahead of his testimony and questioning for Congress this week. In it, he says Facebook needs to do a better job at protecting people from fake news, foreign interference in elections, and hate speech, as well as developers and data privacy. He says, quote, we didn't take a broad enough view of our responsibility, and that was a big mistake. It was my mistake, and I'm sorry. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You've been listening to The Bay. Hello. Hello, Mother. Hi, Dev. <laughs> so it's been a couple of weeks. What do you think of Queued Up? So I liked it. They covered things that weren't covered as much by regular news, like that love letter to the California wilderness story. Yeah, and then also even like local stories with a national subject like that gun violence, you know, talking to the students in Oakland. I thought that was pretty powerful. Thanks for listening, Ma. Sure, you bet. All right, there you have it. Queued Up is now officially mother-approved. You can subscribe to Queued Up wherever you get your podcasts. That's Q-E-D Up. And thank you. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.